This podcast is being brought to you in part by the veteran-founded Hero Soap Company, located in Phoenix, Arizona. In today's environment, we must be aware of the products we apply to our skin. As a two-time cancer survivor, I cannot afford to take chances, and I use these products myself. The soaps will leave you feeling clean and refreshed. All the products made by the Hero Soap Company are made in the United States with the highest quality ingredients sourced from companies in the United States whenever possible. The products are made in small batches to ensure high quality and contain premium essential oils and fragrance. All Hero Soaps are created without synthetic colorants, parabens, and sulfates that are irritating to the eyes, skin, mouth, and lungs, and are cruelty-free, meaning these products are not tested on animals. Each 5-ounce bar of soap is handmade in Phoenix, Arizona, and the body wash is available in 8 ounces with such refreshing scents as the woods, tea tree, lavender, the fields, bourbon, lime, the pines, and arctic. You will absolutely love this soap. Please also check out their gear for sale. All the products are reasonably priced. Being veteran-founded, the company understands the dedication and sacrifice that each family makes to serve their country. A portion of sales is donated back to charities that are focused on helping veterans and our first responders. Over 1,200 bars have been sent to our deployed troops. Please check out their website, HeroSoapCompany.com, for pricing and a detailed description of all the products. When ordering, use the code RAP for a 10% discount. The company information will be listed in the podcast notes and featured on the podcast website, Facebook group, page, and the podcast Instagram. Welcome, everyone, to It's a Wrap with Rap. I am your host, Ron Rappaport. Before we start, I would like to thank all our listeners, sponsors, and supporters that have helped to make the podcast so successful. The podcast is being heard in all 50 states, all provinces of Canada, and 45 countries around the world. The podcast has been ranked by Feedspot as one of the top 35 overcoming adversity podcasts on the web in that category, and ranking is determined by traffic, social media followers, and content freshness. Please visit the podcast website. It's a wrap with for all the episodes and other information regarding the podcast. This podcast features people who have overcome life's challenges and adversities, people who can inspire, motivate, and educate us on an assortment of topics. My guest today is Tom Exler. Tom was born with a rare birth defect called bladder extrophy, meaning his bladder was turned inside out. In 1969, just before his fourth birthday, Tom had urostomy surgery. Now, shortly after his surgery, his mother and surgeon founded the Children's Tri-State Ostomy Association, serving Ohio, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 
the first organization in the world dedicated to helping parents of children with an ostomy. Now, Tom was closely involved in the organization and grew up surrounded by other children facing serious health issues. Tom didn't ask to have a stomach, but he is living proof that it doesn't have to stop anyone from doing what they want to do. He is here today to share his story and life journey. Mm -hmm. Welcome, Tom, to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Ron. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, I'm, I want the our audience to know what this is all about, because I think we, we were talking offline and uh, I never really heard about it. So I'm very interested and I'm sure they will be, too. First, for everyone out there, let's start with uh, what most people do not know or never heard of. What is bladder extrophy? And instead of saying bladder extrophy the whole time, let's call it BE. Is that okay? That's fine. And the life expectancy, tell us of the life expectancy of babies born with it and the cause of it. Well, that's, that changes through all over the years. Now, it, it, back in the, it's a birth defect that is not, not genetic. It is a spontaneous malformation. Uh, there's very few that they can, they can contribute to being genetic in the world. And my family was one of the eight families in the world that they thought might have been genetic, but they can't prove it. Okay. Because I was, uh, because when I was born, I had a second cousin born two weeks apart with bladder extrophy. And that's a very rare occurrence. So it's, it's a birth effect that's your, your abdomen's open at birth. So you can have it all the way from the bladder, oh, excuse me, from the epispadius, which is a penis part that's open all the way up to your, um, your, your, or your intestines are on the outside of birth too. So that can be a multiple birth effect. Uh, bladder extrophy in the bladder, we're talking about it's just a bladder. It's inside out at birth. It's also open. And uh, it's, came, you know, at that time when I was born, the, the, only, the only option was to remove them. And, and you have to live with your ostomy. Today, they can put the bladder back in and actually maybe at the worst, make it a vessel where they would catheterize into it. No, that's, that's a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. How often does it happen in birth? It's one in 30,000 live births. Now, 30,000. Yeah. There might be 20,000, might be 40,000, but it's the best estimates one in 30,000. And what if, what if a parent, uh, the parents have another child? Does it go, does the, the chances of it go up? No. The chances are it, it will be higher for the next child. Yes, that is true. Yeah. However, that could only be statistically an anomaly. It could be the uh, parents are actually, how many parents actually would have another kid at the time? Now, today, we have multiple kids. And uh, it's it's last I heard was like one in 287. But I'm looking at that. That's still under 1%. And what if one of the parents has it and then they have a child? Yeah, that's about 1 in 80, 80, 1 in 80. However, like I said, the problem is the statistics were created when people didn't have kids. So yeah, it's, it's coming up that they're having kids now. So I wouldn't, I would not consider that as a, as a problem not to have a kid. Okay. Now what about the ratio? I mean, is it, is it more males, females? It's two to, it's two to one males to females. So two to one two males. To, yeah. 
However, we 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 talk about on the web and 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 when I was in the youth rally, the the idea that it was always more females without represent the males. So it's okay. just one of the one of the but that's probably about the way it is in almost every field. What is there any genetic testing that you can go through with this and maybe get an idea? No, not really, because it's no. more spontaneous than anything else. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Is the condition uh, of BE visible in an ultrasound? Yes, it is now for like the last 15, 20 years. They can diagnose it with an ultrasound. However, there are cases that they, that even now, that they don't diagnose it with an ultrasound. Okay. So when it happens, it it happens. It's a surprise. Right. Right. But I mean, like like you said, there's far more cases that, it, that they do diagnose it with an ultrasound, and they know where to go, and where the, where the center to be at. And there's probably a good seven centers in the United States. Okay. For our audience, what is an ostomy? What is that? An ostomy is an opening with with an usually we're talking about an abdominal ostomy, which is an intestinal or urinary um, intestinal uh, ostomy, which would be like a colostomy, an opening of the large colon. Okay. Uh, that comes in the outside to a pouch, or an ileostomy, which is an opening of the ileum to the outside to a pouch. However, a urostomy takes a piece of ileum. And, and they hook the ureters, but, and then it comes to the outside to a pouch in which the urine will flow through. Let me take a very brief moment out to alert all our patients and caregivers out there that Rare Patient Voice, a supporter of the podcast, is paying for your input. Patients 16 years and older and caregivers, family, and friends of any disability, disorder, syndrome, illness, or condition have the opportunity to express their opinions through surveys and interviews to improve medical products and services. Who knows your journey better than you? Rare Patient Voice puts you in touch with researchers who are developing products and services that can help you and others with your condition. These researchers need input of patients to develop products and services that have significant impact on patients' lives. Over the past nine years, Rare Patient Voice has paid patients over $10 million. When you join Rare Patient Voice, you may be invited to participate in interviews, surveys, or online communities where you will share your insights. Rare Patient Voice usually has hundreds of studies running at any time, so there are many opportunities to participate. You will earn $120 per hour for participating in these studies. By making your voice heard, you are a catalyst for change. Rest assured, your input will be used to help other patients like you. There is no cost at all to you, the participant. You can get more information and sign up by clicking the link in the sponsor's notes. So it's hard to describe, you know, when you're telling you that stuff. You know, there is a thing here. United Awesome Association wrote, an ostomy surgery is a life-saving procedure. Well, in my case, it's not a life-saving procedure because it was a birth defect. So... This was this procedure where it was a life enhancement. Right. Uh, they say it's a surgically created stoma on the abdomen. Well, a stoma is is it basically it's a mouth. So mouth opening. It's a flow to you flow your flow the fluid to the outside. And that's where the urostomy is. Okay. So. Tell us what the risk factors are for this for BE. 
for the risk factors, there really yeah. isn't risk factors. Uh, yeah. Like I said again, it's it's um, there is a couple there is a couple risk factors. One, their parents are usually older, and two, they did find on um, in vitro fertilization people that are having in vitro fertilization there is a higher risk of having extra feed kids. They did find that out in research when they find out there was so so many kids coming there was the in vitro fertilization. So, so we have a, we have in vitro and then we have yeah. family history. What about uh race, sex, that type of thing? See, that that has not been really diagnosed. Um there is a look a higher issue in some areas, but it's more might be environmental than than uh than sex ratio or or um um race ratio. There is a they do a couple of cases overseas, in like in India, for example. Yeah, there's a there's a big influx, but that also could be the population. It may not be the influx of the uh, the patient. So, I I do I don't I think whatever you're going to say would be it'd be minuscule if it's going to be make a difference. Uh, one of the problems of be. Uh... That, that could be the cause uh, to the body in a, in a severe state of it. So is, is there severe states and less severe states? Well, what is the se- severest problems that BE could cause? Well, it's definitely, it's not the problem, the BE, but it's, it's, the, it's the way you handle it afterwards. So you, you can, the worst cases would be with just BE would be um, renal failure. And and having problems with their your kidneys, and there has been multiple people who have actually had uh, kidney transplants or uh, other th- issues. But however, that's not like associated with extrophy. That's the complications from the surgeries. Okay. Now, can you tell us about your specific journey growing up with BE, uh, the effect on the family dynamics, school? jobs that type of thing yeah uh well you know what i never let any anything hold me back you know it's i mean i played multiple sports growing up and uh i used to i played uh, hockey and gaelic football the the irish game gaelic football yeah yeah Yeah. so i was a i was a goalie for that because my pelvis is because you can see up in the picture it's open Right. So I ha- so because of that I didn't have the speed to be able to be a field player. So that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So I I picked up as a goalie. Now inter dimensions. My brothers and sisters they never really understood why because I was the oldest. Yeah. So they never understood why I had to go to the hospital that uh, that much. But I don't think there was overall family affected our family at all because. It's it depends on how you handle it. Now, there's other families that will keep this all quiet. Well, I never could keep this quiet because my mother went on TV when I was five. Yeah, <laughs> got you. Yeah. Started talking about it, right? So because she did that, uh, it's it's you know I I had to grow up with it with everything going on, and then she created this organization. I grew up with the with kids who had far more 
problems with problems than I did. I mean, they had, it was spina, kids with spina bifida. It was kids with um, imperforate anus uh, and uh, Hirschsprung's disease. They had far more problems than, than with extrophy. And I, what I laugh about is when I when we did the youth rally, which is a, a camp for kids, teenagers. They it was funny because we'd have the you know what ulcerative colitis is and Crohn's. Sure. Yep. They have the kid those kids on this side and extra free kids on this side and both saying the same thing. I'm glad I'm I I, I have this and not that. And yeah. Because they all could see, they all could see that the problems, and and they all have compassion for each other. So. Yeah, it must have been good for you. But tell us about this this camp you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, uh, who started yeah, the, that? Yeah, the youth rally is a, a, a program that was that it's used to be run by the United Awesome Association. Now it's independent. The the youth rally, uh, and you can look it up at youth rally dot org. I haven't been affiliated with it for that many years, but at the site they they would. We'd hold it on college campuses. One reason you hold these programs on college campus is because a lot of these kids didn't never thought they could go to college. And when when they go to college, I think really before you have to do that, they have to get on a plane and go fly across country. Yeah, you know but that would cause for a parent to let the kid get on a plane, especially yeah. one that's been sick. It's it's very rewarding because you get this. They they actually become real real initiative to go out and do this stuff. Especially since they go on the plane, they get it's you know, that's just powerful when you're talking about it. When when they can fly by themselves and they're and they're going, it's just so empowering. And then when they get to the rally, they get to meet all the all these kids. So I think it actually they actually grow up a whole year in five days. That makes sense? It it does, and, and tell me is is BE the people that have it, especially the kids? Yeah. Uh, is there a stigma to this? Do they they feel like there's a stigma? I, I can, think. Do I they think kind of keep keep quiet about it. Well, I think it also comes back to the parents. You yeah. know, it all depends on how you were raised, because people if they make it into a secret. Yeah then it will become a secret. Right. And if if it's open, then then you can you'll be able to handle it a lot better. The pa- the patient, yeah, I would say there is a stigma. But I think the stigma would be the way the way you look at it. You have to look at yourself before you look at being able to uh get out there. And it's not everyone not everyone's going to be able to tease you. You, you got to be able to understand. However, I will say this: when you when you think about this, it goes with everything across the board in medical. You don't you don't advertise all your problems, right? With it because you, it's it's just in the way you think about it. Because it's a way you handle things that people might not uh, they might not understand what you're going through. Mm-hmm. But if you can handle it and you can, you understand that you can become emotionally and, and environmentally uh, helpful, it's, it's a lot better in the long run. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. I think that's, uh, that just applies to everyone. That doesn't apply to just, just be. Over the years, uh, you volunteered. The podcast is so happy and proud to have Blue Sky CBD as one of our sponsors and supporters. At Blue Sky CBD, they know that the highest quality CBD starts from the seed. Blue Sky partners with sustainable, responsible farms for superior hemp plants to extract their CBD and other healthful phytonutrients. Each of Blue Sky's products contain high concentrations of CBD for maximum impact, and Blue Sky offers some of the lowest cost per milligram CBD on the market. All Blue Sky's products are THC-free and are tested by a third-party laboratory for potency and purity. All this has made Blue Sky one of the only brands trusted by healthcare professionals across the United States. As the demand for CBD and its therapeutic potential have grown rapidly worldwide, it's difficult to know which products you can trust. At Blue Sky CBD, they don't just sell their products, they use their products. Blue Sky CBD proudly shares testimonials of their loved ones who use these products. Blue Sky CBD guarantees the potency and purity of each and every product they sell. Blue Sky tests their products three times. First, the plant is tested, next the isolate, and last, the final product to ensure each product batch meets Blue Sky's high standards. A copy of the Certificate of Analysis is linked below each product description online. The Blue Sky CBD website contains client testimonials, including a case study for each testimonial from people just like you regarding people dealing with severe anxiety and insomnia, high blood pressure, pain management, headache, rheumatoid arthritis and spondylitis, and endocrine balance. Blue Sky even makes the product pet love for our canine and feline family members. There is some confusion between medical marijuana, CBDs that contain THC, and the THC-free hemp CBDs within states. Blue Sky CBD uses CBD derived from hemp that is THC-free, which is drug-free and can be sold everywhere legally. Blue Sky CBD wants you to feel confident with your purchase and offers you excellent customer service. If you are not satisfied with their products, you may request a refund of the full purchase price within 30 days of the product received date. When ordering, please use the podcast link to receive 20% off your initial purchase. The link and website information will be listed in the podcast notes. You have volunteered uh, to help the BE cause. Tell us about what organizations or nonprofits you're affiliated with and what was the spark uh, to give you the idea to do it? Well, I was uh, already with the United Awesome Association at the time. And I uh, developed the young adult and teenagers youth groups in that organization and the um, young adults conference in the United States. Just before that, a couple going back um, a couple years, I was invited to the International Awesome Association in Copenhagen, Denmark. And we had, had it again in 2001 in Hamilton, Ontario. And because everyone in this organ was, of each country, was leaders of, of the, from their country, this was the best conference I've ever been to. Because you didn't have to go back to page one on having to do with the, the, the issues on, on BE or with uh, 
ostomies or with, and for, trust me, when you're dealing with ostomy, you're dealing with multiple, multiple problems. It's because we, 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 I have friends from that first conference still today from Norway, Norway, Denmark, uh, I, uh, England, G Germany, Australia. I can't even name all the countries because it was very empowering. So when I came back to the United States, they asked me to to see if I could form the organization here. So that only lasted two years because the organization became a defunct. But it's it was it was very rewarding there. And then when that um, then ABC or the Association of Bladder Street Community came to me and asked me to become the vice president of their organization. And uh, then I started working with them and, and holding conferences and things like that. Um, but going back before then, it was we, we got into the first project with ABC back in 1996, I believe it was, where it was a right, we wrote a book called Living with Bladder Extra Free. And everyone had got a different section of the book. And I had this section for teenagers and young adults. I said, well, wait a second. I can't put my name to this because I can't, I have to get all the problems from everyone else because I didn't have enough, figured I had enough problems for me to write this. Yeah. So I took a composite of about five different people, interviewed them and made into one person. So, okay. and, and as I got involved with that, we did the conferences, and uh, and since then, I've went in 2010, 2009, two, I mean, 2010, 2011, 2012, we went overseas, and I spoke in Australia, England, Iceland, Norway, no, Nor Germany, and in um, Spain. It's just because when you... When you you get it's hard to throw this all together real quick, but the idea is you you when you you get the idea that these these kind of programs are these you've got to be able to show that you're you're how was I going to say? But you got to show that you got to show that leadership, and you show that you survived this, and how did you do it? And yeah. That's what that's what uh, I I did for years, and uh, I've been involved for twenty years doing that kind of work. How rewarding is it for you to talk to somebody who has BE, where you both share that same knowledge and that that same experience? Uh, like I I'm involved with a male breast cancer. Yeah, uh, happens that org, and you know it's not like we can go next door and talk to somebody who has male breast cancer. You know, there's only 2,500 diagnosed a year. So they're all spread out, but it's really uh, great when you can get on zoom or whatever and, and right. talk and talk to people who have it, you know, same thing with you. Right. That That is the same thing. I mean, I've got, got to remember, I started this before there was ever zoom or anything. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of the stuff, because when I went to Iceland, I can tell you this just from Iceland, and we're and I'm speaking in front of ten people. Okay, that might not sound like a lot, but that's every single case in Iceland. Yeah. Well, 
I, I found out later that there's a there's probably a a pro, there's probably a problem there's statistic there they do have a a spike but there was 10 cases in the room in Iceland there's only 300,000 people live in Iceland yeah so yeah so if you look at that and it was that's really awarding and then when we went to um uh, Spain uh, I have a young lady who speaks with me and we were in speaking in Spain and of course this is being d- translated so uh, the, I don't think half the people even understood English we we actually after we spoke we both you know, had to stand in line for pictures for over 30 minutes and it was just it was very rewarding yeah when you think when you're thinking um, it's being translated I'm not even sure if they understood this Right, but it was actually very rewarding because in that environment, do you have support groups? Do there are support groups, but they're the same way. They're it ha- they're virtual. Okay, you know, they're virtual and they're individual. Uh, there has been a a a young young lady out in California who's actually trying to get uh, Zoom calls done, and they've been getting like twenty people to uh, come to each Zoom call. And I've been trying to get there every so often. However, you know, we'll we'll see how that goes. If it actually becomes a success, we'll, we'll actually advertise it, so. I'm just curious on your support groups and, and when you get together with other people that have BE, what is the biggest like common concerns that they have with the disease? Well, there, there's a lot of parents who just want to make sure my son going to be my son or daughter are going to be okay, and that's what I I just like to tell them it's your son or daughter is going to be okay. It's going to be a long road, but they're going to be fine, and they're going to come. They're going to actually surprise you in the long run, and uh, it, it's you know it's one of the very improvements that have been making is with the connections on the internet and. That's actually making people are popping out of the woodworks, and you probably noticed this with uh, male breast cancer too. They're popping out everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there might only be twenty five hundred, but there's probably five hundred that are that are communicating. Yeah. And, well, and, there's a big stigma with it, uh, especially yeah. in certain populations. Uh, yeah. They, they don't even want to call it that. You know, they they, they call it by other names. I don't know why, yeah. but they do. Do well, I'll tell you, tell you one thing. Let me just go on the stigma. Um, when we we come over in the United States, and, and because I've done the youth rally and all in the uh, and all the programs and the International Hospital Association and everything like that, we've I've noticed that in the U.S. we we seem like we actually have more. We we talk about things more often than other people in the around the world because. I can say that because we've I've went to Australia. The problem there in Australia is they don't want to talk to each other. And then you think that's bad there? In Europe was the same way. And cultural differences. Yeah. Oh, this yeah, the cultural difference huge. Now and I know the people when people they when they go to, I haven't been to Africa, but they go to Africa and they find out it's even worse there. Yeah. We have very the same culture. Problem. It's very yeah. Yeah, we have we have somewhat of the same of the same problem, and I think that's um, what we need the United States need to break into. 
So when they when you have the uh, the erostomy and the ostomy, that's for yeah. li- is that for life? Unfortunately, in my case, it is. Yes. Is it for most people? No, well, the the erostomy it is when they remove the bladder. Okay. Now they will if they put if the bladder wasn't removed to begin with, then they can they can actually correct that. That depends on the tissue. Is it gonna? Is it? You know. Because when when we had it, when I was born, they, they thought it would always be carotid. So I don't know if if that's going to be the case in the long run. And it's it's hard. It's hard. Every case is different. Okay, let me leave it at that. Every case is different. Okay, and which you we- when you they step, there's no step one, step two, step three. They're all a variance of those steps. Well, that's my next question. Yeah. Do the people in these groups, do they chat about, are they getting, uh, are, is there concerns about? Let me break away for a moment to tell you about a 304-page doctor-written and approved guide on how to manage most health situations when help is not on the way or while you are waiting for it to arrive. If you want to see what happens when things go south, all you have to do is look at Venezuela. No electricity, no running water, no lawn, no antibiotics, no painkillers, no anesthetics, no insulin, and other important things. But if you want to find out how you can still manage in a situation like that, you must also look to Venezuela and learn the ingenious ways they developed to cope. The guide was written by a team of three people, Dr. Maybel Nieves, who is still working as a frontline doctor in Caracas, Dr. Rodrigo Alterio, who lived and treated isolated communities deep in the Amazon jungle, where there are no doctors or pharmacies for thousands of miles, and is currently practicing surgery at the University of Texas Southwestern Medical Center in Dallas, and Claude Davis, a survival and natural remedies expert. Together, they created something unique, a practical guide when there is no doctor, pharmacy, or hospital. Dr. Nieves is known for developing new ingenious methods of treating patients after Venezuela's economy collapsed, and hospital and pharmacies ran out of medicine, supplies, electricity, and running water. The methods she developed and pioneered are now studied and applied in conflict zones all over the world. Many of these protocols and procedures do not require medical assistance as they are specifically applied to be self-applied. That makes them extremely valuable if the medical system cannot be depended on, like during long-term blackouts and natural disasters. Now, some of the things you will find inside the guide. 10 medical supplies you need to have in your house. The biggest mistakes you can make in a blackout. How to recognize a heart attack and what to do next. What happens when you take expired medications. The only four antibiotics you need to stockpile legally without a prescription. The best natural painkiller that grows in your backyard. An ingenious way to stockpile prescription medicines, including insulin. How to quickly recognize a stroke and what to do immediately afterward. What happens if you take the wrong probiotics. A simple at-home protocol for flu and other respiratory issues. And a step-by-step approach to deal with almost every skin injury and condition. How to take care of toothaches and mouth infections when you can't visit a dentist, and many other topics too numerous to mention. The guide would make an excellent gift and can be purchased by clicking the link in the podcast notes under Sponsor, which will have in-depth information about the guide. The guide sells for the incredibly low price of $37 for the digital version and $37 plus $9.99 shipping and handling for the physical copy. And for a limited time, there are two additional gifts in store for you, all still free of charge for now.
Also, a 60-day money-back guarantee is offered if you are not completely satisfied with your purchase. Once again, click the link in the podcast notes under sponsor. The medical quality they're getting uh, from the doctors, does it does it vary a lot? In other words, the two people with the same situation actually have two different procedures done or yes. different outcomes. Is that a problem? Well, it is a problem depending on where you get it done. Okay. Um, depends on where you're being followed. The uh, Association of Bladder X-Free Children have about 12 different for uh, um, B, um, uh, excellence care, basically, um, centers of excellence, I mean. Yeah. Um, we, we did that about five, six years ago to be able to have centers of excellence. And, and however, there are places that that would not say are centers of excellence, but they may have good doctors there. And I think the problem is with with when they talk about extra fee, you have to do so many percentage of cases a year on extra fee. Well, that isn't that many cases. You know, the leading place right now is uh, like John Hopkins. They've done 1,500 cases. Well, that's over like 30 years. That's not a lot of cases. No. And that's probably the leading leading place in the world. What is that, 50 cases a year? Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, but they're, they're getting higher and higher cases yeah. in the last few years. But still, and uh, you and you need to do it like um, – so what is a guy? What is a guy out in Podunk? You know. Well, before the internet, I think the guy in Podunk was he was out of luck. Okay. Uh, I mean, the problem is, is I I was actually done at Children's Hospital Pittsburgh, but when I was done, there wasn't any specialists in the country. There, there were there was no one doing it, and my doctor decided to do do the best for me. By saving my kidneys, you know everything else is fixable. We got to save the kidney, and he's actually done a good job on that because I've never had any renal problems. So that's a, a good thing. What kind of doctor does this? I mean, you have extra. What do they, they call in a kidney pedi- doctor? Pe- pediatric urologist. Pediatric urologist. Yeah, because they're surgeons. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's who you want. That's who you want. That's who you. Uh, you, you need probably not that many around there are now there's far more than you you would think okay still not that many yeah yeah uh in 2010 you found a courage to shine tell us about that yeah courage to shine is uh it says there's two phases to this courage to shine one is well let me go back to the beginning why i found it okay because I was at a conference in 2009, and there was a lot of bitter adults. And they, weren't, they didn't just have extra fee. They had a couple other things. But they were very bitter. And I go, you know, I cannot, I cannot help them. You know, they're, they're pretty much out of it. However, I'm going to stop it from ever happening again. And I'm going to find these real role models that will become... We can do articles on, and then we can give an award at our national conference for, and they'll do a speech that, that's 
we'll have it done. So we have a we have a a, a place on the website. We do about one article. I try, I try to do one article a week, but it may be like once a month. But and and we had the problem with the pandemic, of course, lower. Yeah. But, so we're doing like let's say two a month. And these are these are role, perfect role models for today's kids. They're they're they we have it's mostly extrophy. However, I've been having um, cases of dealing with everyone, every diseases. They will as long as they were they were um, had it, they were sick when they were younger, and they grew up becoming a real true role model. And what I mean by role model, I mean someone who gets out of their butt out and go to work. Yeah. You know, someone's just working and doing that kind of stuff. There are role models. So and because, I, because I did that, and then, then on the flip side, we uh, have uh, the award ceremony. And it's just a, basically a, a place to we, we invite someone to come speak. You know, okay. the, someone who wouldn't you wouldn't get on the normal circuit you know speaking yeah. someone that's very interesting the last person i had in 2019 we had we did it was a young lady from san diego who had who had colloquial extrophy which was a more severe extrophy with the balter intestines and everything and then at age three she came down with um uh, leukemia. So she had uh, double, um, double places she had a, uh, overcome her diseases. However, it's a it's a great video. I even put a video up online. It's a great video to watch because these individuals are very they become role models for the next generation for the kids, and, for, and then on the flip side, they become role models for the parents. And yeah, there, I understand that. There isn't a month. There's a month that goes by. I get an email from everywhere in the world because just because they go thanking me for putting it, putting these uh, thing, uh, these uh, uh, articles up. And I and what I do is I try to let the the uh, patient write the article because I'm not going to be editing their 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 issues. Right. You know. Yeah. It's, it's their story. Right. Their stories can be told the way they want it to be told. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. I'll give them some guidance, of course, but they, but it that's just amazing. So I've been trying to do that. Plus, I, I have them do a if there's no video that they have that's um, in storage somewhere, I have them do a five minute video and tell and start tell them real short what are, what they what they what they're like. And because you know, people they find it anywhere. They find a video. They'll find it on, on their yeah. um, articles. And they all get revert back, and they all they can actually see it. I wish I can actually get the front page done right. I don't have the time for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, twenty fourteen arrives. Tell us what happened to you. Yeah, you know, twenty fourteen was was a good year. You know, it starts with a good year because uh, I was working with Jamie's dream team, just so you know. And we, we did uh, dreams around the world. We actually did a wedding in Florida in 12 days for a woman dying of cancer. And wow. and this is all, it was all coming up in February. 
But in April of 2014, I actually came down and had a stroke. That was, it changed my whole life. And, you know, the, the only thing is, is before the stroke, I could speak off the cuff without any notes. Without, well, this would be fun if we were doing then. <laughs> <laughs> you know, now I, I, I just go to catch words and, and things like that and the speech. But however, if that was the only thing I had that was just my speech, it's it's far better to go through it than I have. But it also opens your eyes to different things. Now, when I go to speak, I go, I always throw this in. I go, look, you have you remember your kids can always have another health problem. It's not limited to just the extra fee. Right. And right. and I keep telling them. But it's because I was burning the candle at both ends at the time. And, yeah, then that can happen for sure. Yeah. And it's just it's just my blood pressure went up and my um and and became diabetic at the same time. Yeah. Um however all those numbers are very are controlled now, so I don't have to not not that I don't worry about it, but you know. Yeah, you're I'm, concerned. I'm not to, I'm take not care of it. Part of it. Yeah. Tell us how you created hope for yourself facing your medical challenges. How did you how did you create that hope? I don't know. I really don't. <laughs> you know, the, tr- the truth is, is I I've always been a positive person. I think that's right. part of the, that's part of the key, and it just became natural. You know, it's it's just you if you if you're not positive on what you've been through or what you you're dealing with or or actually meeting people, then you, you you won't be positive on being able to be successful. Being successful in life, in life is being positive. Yeah, we preach and that I, a lot. Yeah, and yeah. I think I think in the long run, that's just the, the more important than anything else. For those out there facing all sorts of life challenges, what can you tell them out there listening to this? I think I think that if they're listening to this, they've actually made the first. Because they're trying, they're looking for other help, right? And, and I think that's the, and that's a key. And it's not just not just with your show; it's 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 everything all together. Uh, you know, they they can look at and, and get uh, help, and or but or or even write someone, write someone on on, on the show. You know, you know they could they could always write me a courage to shine, um, and and do something like that. It's just because when when you look into to becoming uh, trying to overcome your diseases, the first step is actually knowing that there's a problem because you have to overcome. Now that's not meaning if someone watch your show, they haven't over already overcome. But the beginning is if they hear this, they're they're on the road to overcoming. And actually, become a they'll become a real true role model in the long run. Uh, so if you go just to go back of that, my wife, and just so you know, five years ago, she had a cardiac arrest, and she was ten feet from the emergency room at Children's wow. Hospital because she was working in child life, and she was ten feet away, and and the the people saved her life. 
And I'm think I'm telling her, I says, you need to you need to go out and actually speak to these people, speak to other people that have actually overcome, because you're you know how lucky you are. Yeah. If you if it happened when you were driving to work, she wouldn't have made it. If it happened anywhere else, she wouldn't have made it. Well, I always say everybody's yeah. got a purpose on this yeah. earth, you know. And exactly. She had a miracle. Oh, that, that was, was a miracle. miracle. That was a yeah. miracle. Yeah, right. I, I agree. Right. Did she? Did she take your advice? Oh, she's still thinking about it. <laughs> I'm like, I will go do. I'll go do it. I mean, she's had. She's talked to some famous people. It's been through it, but yeah. uh, it's it's just. I said now. I said now's the time for you to actually start talking about it. Yeah, and, and it's it's the same same re- reasoning. Well, hopefully she'll get there. Yep. Yep. Tom, how can people how, how can people contact you? They can contact me by going to Courage to Shine, or you know, or my email at uh, Tom at bladderextrophy.com. That actually is the easiest one to remember. Tom at bladderextrophy.com. Okay, and uh, Courage to Shine is that like Courage to Shine dot com or no? It's Courage dash to dash Shine dot org. Okay, we'll put that in the podcast notes. Yeah, yeah, and then, then people will know how to get a hold of you. Uh, yeah. I want to I want to thank you, Tom, for being on on the podcast here and educating us on this topic uh, and sharing your story with us. It's very inspiring, and I wish you all the best uh, going forward. So, thank you once again for being on. Uh, comments and suggestions uh, for the podcast, you can email me at it's a wrap with rap at gmail.com. Our website is it's a wrap with rap.com. All the episodes are on there. Uh, our Facebook group, it's a wrap with rap. And our Instagram group is it's a wrap with rap podcast. All the episodes are on YouTube. It's a wrap with rap, the podcast uncut. And I want to thank everyone for listening. Everybody, please stay safe. And for now, it's a wrap.